You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about hard times, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? I want to talk about how much I'm enjoying my post-school drop-off walks. Hmm. This spring, I got a pedometer, just very basic one. I think it's marketed towards elderly people (laughs) because it really promoted that there was only one button and large numbers, and it's ease of use. And it also came with a lanyard that you can use instead of the clip-on or putting it in your pocket. Perfect. But it is just what I wanted. I really love knowing how many steps I've walked. I don't think it's made me walk more. I just like having the information. And it makes me more excited to go on my walk. I've been listening to podcasts. But I think I'm about to switch over to audiobooks because Mm. on a recent drive, I listened to an audiobook in a series that I love and I'm looking forward to getting totally caught up on those. It's going to be great for my reading life, great for my physical life. I'm loving it. Yes. This summer, I took Plum to camp on the bus Mm -hmm. and then walked back to our house Mm. because the bus timing didn't work out. So it was a pretty long walk and I just wore Pepper in the carrier. He would take a nap and I would catch up on podcasts. Nice. Something that I forgot that I like as well as I do, that listening to a podcast, moving my body just feels so much like time for me in a way not very many other things in my life do right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you're getting to have that time too. It checks a lot of boxes. And it's nice that like what you were describing, that's the way I feel about the school drop-off, that I'm already a little bit away from the house. Mm -hmm. And then I can walk through a park on my way back. Ooh, lovely. And through a neighborhood. I have to walk home anyway, but I'm just doing it in a longer route and fitting it in where it feels really different than being at your home and then thinking, oh, I should go out on a walk. Right. Because this way, you're already out the door. Exactly. What's been happening with you, Abby? I have two TV shows to recommend. They are very different. But both have a really special place in my heart. The first one is Fleabag, which you can get on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. This was written and I think directed by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And it's about a woman who is single and has a lot of things happen and a lot of things to do with her family and a lot of things to do with her romantic life. And I'm not going to say too much more than that because I don't want to give it away. But I just found it to be a really lovely watch. And it's hard, but it is so poignant and just really special. And I have now watched it twice, and I am gearing up for a third rewatch. There are two seasons. I think they have six episodes each. So it's pretty short, but it's wonderful. The second show I want to recommend is called The Zoo San Diego. This is an Animal Planet show. And you can stream, I think, the first three episodes on the Animal Planet website, which is how I have watched them. And it's about the zoo in San Diego. And I have a friend from high school who's a vet there. So, of course, I love seeing her on the show. Mm. But then there's also this really special thing of getting to watch the keepers of the animals and how they form these relationships and the precautions they take so that the animals can still be animals. And then there's all this science and conservation that make it in there, too. And it's just really lovely. And do you watch that one as a family or is that something just for you? Just for me. I think it's similar to how I feel when I'm done watching The Great British Baking Show, Mm -hmm. that it's that similar kind of uplifting. That sounds like a nice contrast to the kind of TV watching I've been doing now, which is mindless to the point where you really feel kind of icky when you're done (laughs) as opposed to uplifted. So maybe I should give these a try. Definitely. Okay, let's talk now about what we've been reading. Sarah, what is your latest read? 
Over the summer, I read Circe by Madeline Miller, Mm. which is a retelling of Circe's story from Greek mythology. It reminded me of The Red Tent in terms of it being a feminist retelling of an old story. So it centers what would be a minor character in the original telling and makes the whole story center around what that character is thinking and feeling and experiencing. That's neat. I liked that I vaguely knew some of the stories and characters, but I'm not so familiar with Greek mythology that it felt redundant or like I already knew what was going to happen. It's like, oh, yeah, I sort of remember. And then I wanted to keep reading to refresh my memory and confirm things. Right. I will admit that it took me a long time to pick this book up. I was seeing it everywhere on social media and on Goodreads and had a lot of buzz last year. Yeah, I've seen the buzz as well and still haven't picked it up. Mm -hmm. I was worried that it would feel too much like school or work to read it and not enough like relaxing. Oh, yeah. I finally picked it up because my book club chose it a few months ago. And I will say my fears about the book not feeling engaging were right for probably about the first hundred pages. Mm. It was a very slow start. And there's a section of the book where she's alone for a large chunk of time, which Mm. just feels less engaging when there's not the relationships. Right. Once you got through that section, I flew through the last half of the book. Mm. I could not wait to find out what happened. I was really invested in the characters. So take that as you will. I would recommend this book. I thought it was beautiful, great storytelling, but do be prepared for that slower pace at the start. It's good to know because I am someone who really struggles with slow start books, but the fact that it picks up so much is tempting. I think you would be glad that you read it if you did, but I do think you'd feel the same way about a pretty large chunk at the start. Fair enough. What have you been reading? I've been reading the Lady Sherlock series by Sherry Thomas. So the first book is A Study in Scarlet Women. That's the one I finished completely. And then I'm in the midst of reading A Conspiracy in Belgravia. This is a gender bending version of the Sherlock Holmes stories which have been retold in a lot of ways. But this is one of my favorites that I've read so far. So the story centers on former society lady Charlotte Holmes, and she masquerades as Sherlock Holmes and solves mysteries. So there's still a Sherlock Holmes in the story, but it's her pretending to be a man. Hmm. And it's really interesting to think about why the author chose to make the genders of some characters different than the originals, but some Mm -hmm. are the same. Sherlock Holmes is a woman, Mm -hmm. but then there's still all these men around her. And it's really interesting how she relates to the men and how some treat her as equals and some don't. Some feel strongly when they find out that actually Sherlock is a woman. Mm -hmm. And all of that characterization and the interactions between the characters is really fun. There are also really good female characters that don't play as large of a role in the original Sherlock books. Mm -hmm. The mysteries are good so far, and these are just fun to sort of go through. So I read the first one while we were at the beach, and it was the perfect read for that. A little bit escapist, a little bit fun, a little bit mysterious. Are they set in modern times? No, they are set in original Sherlock times. So late 1800s or early 1900s, but in London. Okay. I mostly love them. The end of the first book was kind of a bummer in terms of something that's revealed about a victim, but I would recommend these because they're just fun. Love it. Now we're going to shift gears and talk about hard times. We've all had them, but they can be really shocking and overwhelming when they happen. We're going to talk first about our individual strategies for managing when things get tough in our lives. In general, I try to give myself permission not to be productive. I love to read books that suck me in, love reality television, 
cooking very simple dinners or not cooking, (laughs) eating lots of cheese. On the mental side, I like to remind myself that it's temporary and just try and zoom out as much as I can. And that's not to dismiss anything that I'm feeling or to try and move on quickly, but just to put it into perspective. I've also taken a lot of comfort from Glennon Doyle's phrase, we can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think about a lot when I'm going through something hard. Yeah. What about for you? Like you, I like to eat a lot of delicious snacks. I prefer to not cook. (laughs) Try to sort of do the minimum to get by in all facets of my life, which looks like (laughs) not ever cleaning my house, not really cooking, lots of TV for my three-year-old. If things are really hard, I have asked friends to take Plum for a play date. This is really hard for me to do. I wish that I felt comfortable to do it more because she always has such a good time and people are always so willing. Mm -hmm. But somehow it feels so hard to do that when there's no reciprocation in sight. Hmm. Yeah. You know, to say to a friend who also has a kid, please take my kid to play at your house so that I can go to this appointment for an hour or so that I can have an hour just in my house with no one needing anything from me when it's a friend who hasn't ever asked the same or I'm not sure that they will or that they don't have anything coming up where I can reciprocate. That's really hard. Yeah. But it is really good when I do it. I also find it really hard to ask, but in terms of the childcare, I think Plum is probably just on the verge of this being true. Mm. But as my kids have gotten older, I actually find it to be easier if they have a friend over. Whether I'm sending my kids away to somebody else or other kids are coming to my house, both feel easier than my kids on their own. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of those things where it feels like a huge ask when you have a baby or a toddler, but in some ways you're helping your friend too if you can reframe it in that way and if they have that perspective also. Yeah, and even when people have said that to me, somehow it's still hard to ask for. Yeah. Another thing I love to do is binge watching comfort shows like The Great British Baking Show, as I mentioned (laughs) before, reading comfort reads like we talked about in another recent episode. And I don't tend to reach out to people. I think when things are hard or overwhelming, it feels like so much just to get through the day that adding anything in, whether that's a phone call or even a box, it feels like too much. But I really do like it when people reach out to me Mm -hmm. because it's sometimes nice to have someone do the work of the first reach out. But then I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this feels good to check in about this stuff. This feels good to unburden myself, Mm -hmm. to have a rant to a friend or whatever. But it feels like so much to do it myself to initiate that contact. Mm -hmm. Those are our reactions to hard times in our lives. But the flip side is how other people around us react when we are having a hard time. How do you like to be supported when things in your life are tough, Sarah? I love that way of phrasing it, of how would I like to be supported. And I think that's a good way to just think about it at the front, is that think about what the person you are trying to support would want, not just what you would want. Mm -hmm. When we were doing this outline, I organized my thoughts around what not to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thinking about the inverse of what to do that comes from that. Yeah. I want to preface it by saying that if you've done one of these things, we all have. I've done all of these things. Uh And it's really hard to know the right thing to say or do when friends and family are going through something tough. Mm -hmm. Even when people reached out and it wasn't exactly what I needed or didn't work for me, I still appreciated it. And it still meant a lot to me that they tried. Absolutely. I know how hard it is to say anything. And the fact that somebody is willing to put themselves out there means a lot. 
So don't take anything I'm saying as discouragement for putting yourself out there because that is appreciated. And sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. Yep. Depends on the person, depends on the situation, depends on the time in that person's life. I, for one, don't even know what I need until someone does the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even like the person that's having a hard time could give you guidance. Some of the time they have no idea what they themselves need. And so just trying things is totally fine. Yes. And that leads right into my first one, which is don't say, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. I heard that a lot and I took it as exactly what it meant, that people didn't know what to do and they wanted to let me know that they were available and they wanted to support our family. Mm -hmm. The reality is there is something that you can do. Don't put that burden on the person who's hurting to come up with something for you. Right. Because then you're asking them to do the emotional labor and that's just more work. Personally, I found it really challenging to take people up on an open-ended offer because there was lots of stuff that I would have appreciated, but very little that I quote unquote needed, Mm -hmm. which means that I wasn't going to ask. We can cook our own dinners. We can order takeout for ourselves every night. We can do our laundry and keep our house running and watch our kids. But it was so nice when one of those responsibilities was lifted from us. So I wouldn't ask somebody to come in and clean my house because either it's fine as a mess or we could hire somebody or we could actually do it. Mm -hmm. But when somebody did that, it was amazing and felt like such a gift that they just came in and did that. My experience has been like that too. When I was really sick at the beginning of my pregnancy with Pepper, a friend of mine from book club said, can I bring you a meal? I know it's really hard to be early pregnant and have a toddler. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just overwhelming the relief that I felt because I didn't even know that I needed that. Yeah. But she saw that this might be a hard thing for me and she didn't assume. She just offered. And I was free to say no if we really didn't need her meal. We could have said it. Mm -hmm. But it was really amazing. And so offering something when someone hasn't asked for it can't go wrong. Because if you're not pushy about it and you really are willing to give it, then that's absolutely the right thing to do. Agreed. The other one I've thought a lot about this spring was don't pry. Mm. Think about whether you're asking for updates to satisfy your own curiosity or because you think your friend needs to talk. For me, I want to talk to a handful of people and give them all the details and do a giant brain dump and process everything verbally. But then I'm done. (laughs) I do that with a few people and I'm all out of talking. And it wasn't that I minded other people knowing details. I felt like I was a pretty open book with people that were acquaintances with here in town. But if people just wanted a quick update, I wanted them to check in with Neil or a good friend Mm -hmm. who knew what was going on and not me. Yeah. It's made me think a lot about what information I actually need to know when friends are going through something tough Mm. and what information is just to satisfy my curiosity, which I think makes it sound worse than I mean it to be. I don't mean that as like, oh, they're only just wanting that for themselves. But Mm -hmm. I think it's helped me reevaluate whether my questions are truly supporting the person or not. Yeah. Honestly, you going through having cancer and coming to this realization and then sharing it with me has also made me reflect. I think I'm a pretty nosy person. I like to know a lot of things. I like to know people's business. I like to find (laughs) out things. 
even people that I don't know that well, one reason I like social media is because I like to keep up with what's happening with them. (laughs) And I think that's a pretty natural human instinct. Absolutely. But I also think that it can be pretty hurtful Mm -hmm. where you just feel like you're having a really hard time and then you have to do this emotional work of sharing it with all these people Mm -hmm. and having conversations that just feel exhausting when what you need to be doing is healing or grieving. Yes. Or having a regular conversation that doesn't involve whatever hard thing you're going through is. Yes, exactly. This one comes right out of what we just talked about, which is take your cues from the person at the center. I really appreciated the people who, when I shared news, didn't assume how I was feeling, Mm. even when that was good news. Because even good news in a bad situation doesn't mean that you're feeling great, that things can still be really hard, even if they're better than they could have been. Right. And there were times where I felt like I needed to put on a happy face and to be happy for other people because it made them feel more comfortable Yeah, that there could be a happy narrative and that there could be a simple narrative for people. Bad thing happened. Person overcame. Life is good now. Mm. It's not that tidy and neat. On the one hand, I don't think this is totally fair because not everyone knows all the details and I don't even want everybody to know all the details. Mm -hmm. I don't need people to know every little thing, but I think just... Don't assume what that person is feeling. I felt most cared for by the people who gave me space to feel whatever I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's general life advice. Give people space to feel their feelings. Yeah. Related to this, when people are grieving, I think there is a desire to have everything be okay Mm -hmm. and not mention the person who's died. And if the person looks fine and isn't sobbing their eyes out, assuming that they're fine, Mm -hmm. when really they might be barely holding it together. And what would really help would be to acknowledge the thing and say something like, I know that you lost this person. I'm really sorry that happened. We can talk about it or not. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. So that there's not this huge issue of, Assuming that you're fine because you look fine Mm -hmm. and then making things even worse by not acknowledging this huge thing that just happened or hearing that somebody got good news and assuming that that has magically made everything feel better. Yeah, I love that idea of keeping the door open and just letting people know that you're available, but not being pushy about it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that is kind of in the same vein is people would often say, you're looking so great. Mm. After I had surgery, you're looking great. And I 100% understand where it comes from. And I've probably said that to people in the exact same situation before. But then it put me in the position of feeling like the next thing I needed to say is, yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling better. Things are looking up. When maybe I'm looking great, but I'm feeling awful. Right. But then it doesn't feel like a great rejoinder to suddenly go into that either. (laughs) Well, I feel terrible. (laughs) So just being cognizant of the comments that seem like they're all positive to you can just feel really differently to the person receiving them. And is it really for the person, Mm -hmm. right? If you're telling them that they look a certain way, does that really serve them? Or is that doing the thing of making you feel better like having more information does? Right. My last thought is about meaning making. And this is similar to what we just talked about. But let the person at the center do the meaning making or not. For me, being diagnosed with cancer, there was no meaning. There's still no meaning for me. I think terrible things happen to people all the time, and this is something that happened to me. There's no bigger purpose. There's no really made me reevaluate my life. I remember leaving you boxes where I was like, I liked my life just fine before cancer. <laughs> like, 
I appreciated my people. <laughs> I did not need a horrible thing to happen. Yes. For me to enjoy what I had. Exactly. I was enjoying it just fine. Thanks. <laughs> yes. I did not need another effing growth opportunity, as you've said to me many a time. If the person wants to be making meaning out of it and wants to see that it's part of this bigger story, I think that is fine. But if I want it to just be suffering, then let it just be suffering. Yeah. And you know who's so good at talking about this is Vanessa Zoltan, who's the co-host of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text and the host of the new Hot and Bothered podcast. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of drive to make meaning in our culture and to make lemonade out of lemons. Mm -hmm. And I think we might do a little bit better societally if we just let the lemons be lemons. Yep. One more thing that I want to add is if you are close to someone and it seems like they're having a hard time, it's okay to say something. Mm -hmm. Because when I was having my postpartum mental health stuff, I was so in it that I did not even realize it. Hmm. And it took my mom saying, hey, you were doing really well with this. And it seems like now you're not. What do you think happened there for me to be like, you're right. This is really horrible. Right. But my life was not like this and maybe doesn't have to be like this Mm -hmm. for me to start seeking the help that I needed. And so if you see something, it's okay to say something. I love that. And I think that's often the hardest thing because it feels like you're making yourself vulnerable and you don't know how somebody's going to react. But going into that with love and support for the person and with no expectations for how they're going to respond is a good way to approach it. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up this discussion by talking about some resources to help people going through hard times and for people who want to support those who are. My number one resource for people who are looking to support others in their life is There Is No Good Card for This by Kelsey Crow and Emily McDowell. Mm -hmm. And I reviewed this one back in the spring and loved it. I loved all the concrete suggestions they give and just the encouragement for be willing to put yourself out there and offer something, and doing something is better than nothing, almost always. I'll just add to that that Emily McDowell is an artist, and she has a card line that is filled with cards that keep it real. So things like, sorry, you have cancer, that sucks. (laughs) Not trying to make meaning and not putting something rosy on something that's really terrible. And I think if you're not sure what to do, sending a card like that is a good place to start. And I'm sure most everybody knows about the various services that are out there, like Meal Train. Mm. But I had a friend who set that up for me, and that was the best part of having cancer, was having people deliver meals to us for weeks after surgery and just feeling so supported. I think people really appreciated having a concrete way to help and that when they would offer to help that they could go to this resource. Yes. And then I felt so supported just having this huge thing taken off our plate so that Neil didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to worry about it. And we ate some amazing food. I've also been the beneficiary of meal trains And Meal Train even now has a way that people who are out of town can just send you money for Grubhub. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what kept us fed when things sort of fell apart there for a while, where I was like, I literally cannot. Grubhub, Indian food at my house, (laughs) basically didn't do anything and everyone's eating vegetables. It's going to be okay. Another book that I want to talk about that I have also previously talked about on the podcast is Option B by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. 
that one has a lot of good ideas too about ways to help people and ways to talk about hard things Mm -hmm. when you're not sure what to say. And also does this really nice thing of the research of recovering from hard things Mm -hmm. and talks about sort of how long it takes Mm -hmm. for things to feel normal again, especially after grief. And so it's helpful for people who want to help people having hard times. And it's also a good read yourself. Yeah. Personally, I'm someone who really finds comfort in reading about other people's hard experiences. Mm. So right after I was diagnosed, I actually turned to books about cancer and people who were diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to read about that, Mm -hmm. some of which were stories about people who survived and some of which were not. And it was comforting to me to read both because it made me feel like other people have walked this same road. Mm. And no matter how it turns out, it will be what it will be. I wanted to be able to see and confront the worst possible outcome so that I knew that that too could be okay. Mm. I particularly loved reading Carrie Egan's On Living, which I think you talked about in one of our very first episodes. She experienced postpartum psychosis, and I kept thinking about what she had to say about meaning making, which is almost the opposite of what we talked about before, which was that she felt that people were dismissing her experience and just wanting to move on from it and say that while she was experiencing psychosis, it wasn't her, and now things were quote-unquote back to normal. Mm. And she really wanted to challenge that and say, well, what does that mean? What is that about if I went through this whole experience and now we're just dismissing it? Mm. So... I liked thinking about that from these different perspectives, and I think it all just comes back to the same thing we've been talking about, which is look to the person going through it and see what they need and don't make assumptions one way or the other. Yeah. So the last book that I want to recommend is Pema Chodron's When Things Fall Apart, and it can be kind of spiritually, but she's a Buddhist, so there's a lot of just some really helpful perspective on things can be really bad and time moves on and how do we deal with it when those things are happening because we're people and they're bound to happen. I think that wraps up our discussion on tough times for today. Listeners, we would love to hear from you if you have suggestions for resources. There's anything that you want to share about tough times in your lives. And if you are having a tough time right now, we are thinking about you and we hope that you get what you need. Let's finish by talking about what we've been eating. I made this weekend three cheese squash casserole. This is a delicious recipe from a family friend of Andrew's family. And I have shied away from making it because it feels like so much work. It is a lot of work, but gosh, it's a good way to eat yellow squash. (laughs) At the end of the year, too, when yellow squash is so cheap or when people are growing it and just Mm -hmm. giving it to you. Yes, I have an abundance of squash right now, so... I'm ready to hear how I should transform it with cheese. So you cook the squash first, then you cook onions and garlic, and you mix all that together. Then you put a ton of cheese. So the three cheeses are cheddar, Monterey Jack, and Parmesan cheese. So you put a ton of cheese in with that with sour cream, salt, and pepper. Then you put cheese and breadcrumbs on the top and bake it. Okay. It essentially ends up being a little bit like macaroni and cheese, but squash instead mm. of macaroni. What is the texture of the squash like then? Because one thing that I find with squash is I don't like it to be overcooked, but it sounds like you're cooking it first and then you're cooking it. Or is it mostly just a vehicle for the cheese and breadcrumbs, but contributing vegetable content? 
So when you saute the squash initially, you got to be really careful to not let it lose its body. Okay. Right. So you cook it till it's just barely done. Mm -hmm. And I chunked mine in pretty big chunks Mm. so that there was still a good amount of squash texture because I agree with you. The mealy mouthfeel Mm -hmm. with the squash, no amount of cheese is going to help that. It's sauteed, (laughs) but not for very long. Less than 10 minutes and pretty big pieces so that there is still chewing that's happening. It's not just mush. I'm intrigued and we'll be attempting this with the many squash that are in our refrigerator right now. Nice. What have you been eating, Sarah? I wanted to share a breakfast for the kids that's really been working for us the last few weeks. There were bagels on sale at the co-op and turns out my kids really want to eat bagels in the morning. Great. We've been doing that with cream cheese and it feels really good because there's some carbs, there's some cheese. Then we usually eat some apple slices on the walk into school too. So it feels like some good substance going into the school day. I was going to say it's a pretty substantial thing. Mm -hmm. If they're eating even just half a bagel, that's going to help keep them full for a good while. Yes. HP in particular doesn't eat lunch until 1230. Wow. Which when you're eating breakfast at eight, that's just a pretty good chunk of time that you want something that's going to hold you over. Right. So it's not the cheapest breakfast out there, but it has felt worth it to have something that they're excited about coming to the table to eat and that's getting them through to lunch. Definitely. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And listeners, if you have been enjoying the pod, would you please tell someone about it? We'd love to reach more people with Friendlier, and your word of mouth is one of the best ways to do that. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. so many questions (laughs) let's hear them good i don't think anything i have to say is interesting okay good sidebar (laughs) that's all i have to say about that